Welcome to episode 11 of the Lonely Fan Sports Show. I'm Josh Anderson. In this episode, we will look at round four of the Monster Energy Supercross series. It took place in Indianapolis, their first of their three rounds there. Kenny Raxon won his first race of the season. He should have won last week, but had the controversy with Dean Wilson. Apparently, after listening to some review shows, I guess it was a timing and scoring error. It was not anything penalized that some of us thought, so sorry, AMA. AMA. So, uh, here we go. So, Eli Tomac started off with the whole shot. I honestly thought he was going to check out, but he made a mistake right after a jump inside a turn. And Adam Cincerello was able to pass him, and so was Ken Roxon. Eli was able to pretty much stay with him the entire way. Now, previously, the last two to three seasons, Tomac, when he's able to catch up to Roxon, usually passes him in the middle of the race and same thing with Cincerello last season but to the credit of Ken Roxon Roxon was able to keep up and basically pull away at the end now Roxon did make a mistake and went off the track and that that usually doesn't happen to Ken Ken usually doesn't make mistakes like that when he has the lead now he does make mistake mistakes around Cooper Webb that he needs to solve. But when it's unrelating to Cooper Webb, Roxon usually doesn't make those type of mistakes. So good for him. First win of the season. And he needs to keep it going. He now, after all the penalties and losing the Webb, he has a six-point lead. Roxon should probably have a double-digit points lead going into round five. Now, as I said in the last few podcasts for Ken Roxon, this is the key races for him outside the end of the year woes is going to be can he maintain his level of competitiveness. It looks like the early season struggles for Eli Tomac are over. I was worried about them because some of the things I was seeing from the first few rounds were outdoor-like, but after the last two races, I'm all right. So he was able to maintain with Roxon and Cincerello. I think uh, Eli will be fine for the rest of the year. For Roxon, it's going to be the couple of remaining Tuesday races if he could get good starts and maintain with good point value. He'll be fine. He'll be fine for the championship, and then he has to worry about his health for the remainder of the year because, as I said in the previous shows, the problem with Ken Roxon is always going to be can he maintain for the whole entire season because right now the only championship year that, even for injuries, the only year he has been able to finish strong in Supercross and Motocross has been the 2016 season. So we will see with that. Roxon, I think he's gelling with a new bike. Now, I know they had some issues getting parts to him, and he hasn't been testing a lot, but I think this bike has been outstanding for him. 
Uh, Vince Freezy, it has not because Vince has been flying off the bike, crashing and everything. But for Ken Roxon, this bike is probably, is, for bike purposes, this is probably the best he's looked on a bike since any of the KTM models. So good for him in that aspect. Uh, with some history stats, this will be his 16th 450 win. This will move him to tied for 15th all-time in the 450 wins. This ties him with Jean-Michel Bale. Uh, this is a big point for Roxon in that stature. In the all-time 450s motocross wins list, now nobody really keeps track of this mainly. I, I kind of just, I like to, just I, I, I always look at the stat sheet for, for Roxon. This actually ties him with Kevin Windham on the when you combine motocross and supercross wins at 35. Now, when you look at career-wise for Eli Tomac and Ken Roxon, there's actually a big win differential there because Eli has 72 wins combined and Roxon only has 35. So when you when you combine the careers. Eli kind of with wins and championship kind of has a big huge gap now with Roxon. So we'll see when you look at the all-time markers if Roxon can even compete with that if he can get even get one Supercross championship. So when you look at Eli, I had some concerns even with that win because you had other guys catching him. Uh, round three, he was running in fifth place. He kind of ran the pace of Malcolm and then he was you know, I was a little worried because Justin Barsha crashed. You thought Eli was going to gain some extra points there, but then Barsha repassed him. I was, you know, but you know what? This race, he was able to hold the pace. He just wasn't able to get the pass back from Roxon. That's okay. There's a lot of series left, and he's only uh, nine points back from Roxon after four rounds. If he can keep getting good starts, because when you look at Tomac, Two out of the four rounds have been good starts. If you take the first round out of that, if he gets an even an eighth place finish, uh, the points round, he would be a lot closer to Roxon. He heck, he may even have the points lead after that. So we'll see with with Eli after next round. He sh if Roxon has a poor round or even Cooper Webb, uh, Tomac should take advantage of that. Uh, Adam Cincerello, who finished fourth, was leading. Had a you know he was showing some decent lead, uh, speed. The one thing about Cincerello that he has to get corrected is the tip overs, and that's what happened. Roxon and Tomac are just going to be above him. Looks like to be this season. Adam got hurt for Supercross and or last season, and that shows. Also, Adam still didn't have the full off season. So he's not going to have the race pace of a Roxon or a Tomac. That's just what's going to happen. They're towards the end of their prime of their career. Adam is just entering it. So when you have that happen, passes like that are going to happen to Adam. But what he needs to clean up are those passes, or I mean those tip-overs. And when those tip-overs happen... You lose a lot of time, and then you lose points to a Cooper Webb, which Cooper Webb got a couple points, and that's why he is only six points behind Ken Roxon in the championship. He was able to make a couple more points up on Eli Tomac, 
So Cooper Webb, it's going to be interesting to see for Webb if he likes that air shock or not. There's if you listen to a different podcast. Sorry to get off Adam real quick. It's just for Adam. Stop tipping over, and you know you'll start keep getting podium after podium after podium. If if Roxon or if Tomac have bad starts, Adam, you probably will win. For Cooper Webb, it'll be interesting to see if the shock, if he likes the shock or not. There's some controversy within the team, or even, you know, if if the shock is going to go well. Uh, it sounds like the first two weeks didn't go well at all. This week, or sorry, round three, even though he won this week, didn't have a good start, and he was able to battle back. But if you look at his lap times and everything, the lap times still weren't weren't really really there. So. The one thing Cooper Webb this season so far outside of round three, the starts aren't there. And if you look at the year he won the championship, he was a crafty at getting the starts. So, as I said in the preview podcast, the one thing that Cooper Webb does not have in this series, in my opinion, is raw speed. And that is what Eli Tomac and Ken Roxon have, and even AC has. So... If Webb doesn't get the start, I don't feel that he has the ability to win this championship. And he's gotten lucky to win that race because he got the start. But unless he keeps getting starts, I think he's going to keep teetering down in the championship points. It's just a matter of time. But we'll see. Uh, Justin Barsha, sorry, uh, Zach Osborne got fifth. Uh, it's it's been a very mentally draining season for Zach Osborne. He keeps having odd things happen to him. Uh, in this race, he had a starting gate malfunction where he got stuck at the gate at the start and was able to even get an okay start at uh, 12th somehow and was able to battle back to a 5th. Now, if he were to able to get a start, maybe he would have a chance to win a race. But the, the problem with Zach is he's now 10th in points, and he's over 20 points down. I just don't see him winning this championship. I, I understand he has a lot of speed and everything, but the one thing I've been saying is, is that he always has these type of mishaps happen. And overall, Zach Osborne in Supercross has not been a good starter. So when you have all these type of ordeals happen to him, he's just never going to win this championship. Outdoors, he's able to have a little bit of a course correction. But either way, I just he's going to have a random race or two where he's going to get a good start and maybe a race win. But he's going to have to contend with Roxon and Tomac. And Tomac looks to be getting better. And Roxon's having a great season. So with those two things combined, it's just he already put himself in way too much of a hole to even have an opportunity to win this championship. Dylan Fernandez got sixth place. Uh, he got passed on the last lap by Zach Osborne. It was just one of those things where Fernandez, you just can't have that happen. I understand you're a rookie, but you got to hold up that last lap for uh, for Osborne. Uh, Fernandez is kind of having up and down rookie season, which you're expected to have. I don't know if he's having issues with the bike or not. Uh, he, he got that second in round two, which everyone was just surprised, but 
this race was just a quiet sixth place, which I guess if you're if you are looking for good results, like I said for him, that's great. You're finishing above Jason Anderson, who finished seventh. Jason is still finishing very very suspect on what's going on with him because he should be finishing better than where he is. Um, Jason is. I basically think it's panic button time for uh, Jason Anderson. I, I really don't know what's going on. Uh, there's rumors that uh, from the multiple variety of shows, if you listen to Pulp MX, or that Bobby Hewitt is going to start a team. This is the last year of the contract for the uh, Husqvarna racing team. So it's going to be interesting to see if, if he is going to go there. You know, it's not going to be exactly the most big budgeted money team that he ever goes to. The last time that Jason Anderson's been competitive in Supercross, he got passed by Blake Baggett the last few laps and Blake won that event. That's the last time Jason Anderson has looked motivated on a track, and that's just not good. I mean, in this round four, he went to the LCQ. I don't even remember the last time Jason Anderson went to an LCQ. So that's kind of the way his season has gone. Currently, right now, he is 12th in points. And I just don't even see a win coming. So the Husqvarna team for 2022 is going to be interesting to see what they're going to do because Zach Osborne is getting up and... <clears throat> excuse me. Zach Osborne is getting a little long in the tooth. And Dean Wilson has been on one-year contracts forever. So I have to assume that they're going to be looking to have a new rider on a team make a big splash because Rockstar tends to want to make a big splash. So I you'd have to think that they want some big free agent, but I am not aware of right now. I can't think of the top of my head of a big free agent that they're going to be able to sign or even want to sign. So we're going to have to see in the 250 class if anyone's even available or if they can maybe just get someone on the team because right now Jason Anderson is just looking like just like a rider just just trying to collect paychecks because it, it's looking brutal. Savachi got eighth. That's his best ride of the year. Uh, don't know if he is currently riding a little bit with an injury or not, uh, but if if uh, the team just has to be happy that he's putting in a consistent ride, uh, he's just—it's just one of those things where for this season for Joey, he just needs results because, like I said, he missed last season. Plessinger, he's looking for hopefully Yamaha to at least give him that extra year option, and that's ninth. Currently, Plessinger is eleventh in the points, so I have to assume that he needs to get more top fives in the podium for him to even have an opportunity. So getting top tens for him has to be a goal. And at least outdoors has to be for him has to be extremely important for him to actually get through the entire twenty twenty one healthy and get the outdoors and perform. Marvin, I had him on my fantasy team, finished tenth. I thought Marvin was going to rebound after last week, and he was basically last on the start and basically derailed my fantasy team. My fantasy team this week was just terrible. I 
like I only had seven guys in the main, but I thought Marvin was going to because he wasn't an all star in Pulp and Mix Fantasy. But Jay's Marv, you were just I I thought he was going to be better, especially with a zero handicap. Or I think it was excuse me a minus one handicap, and I it's just just terrible. Marvin, he's also in the last year of his contract, and I just I I just don't know what's going on. Marvin is ninth in points, and he's already twenty points back in this championship. So I I understand he missed a year of Supercross, but he got third in round one, and it has not been going well. So I. KTM is just going to have to make a lot of decisions on who they want on their team in the next few years because they have Cooper Webb, who has already won a race this year, but the rest of the team is just going to be like, who, who, who do you want? Who's going, to be a, who, who's going to be on the team? That's the question. Malcolm Stewart got 11th. Uh, his results have kind of gone backwards after a uh, after the um, after a good start to the year. He went down on the start with Barsha. Barsha kind of had a little bit of an entertaining little incident with him where both riders went down. Barsha went up and kicked his bike over. So obviously that meant he was 22nd in the start. So he did finish 11th. He did go up. But overall, his results have gotten worse and worse and worse. So for Malcolm, that has to be disappointing. Malcolm still is 7th in points. So he has to be happy with that. But overall, his results have gotten worse, which Yamaha doesn't exactly have to be thrilled with that. Justin Braden, uh, his results uh, after the podium have steadily gone down. They can't exactly be thrilled with that, but Braden didn't exactly have... I mean, Braden started fifth, but he went backwards, so he can't be thrilled with that. Justin Barsha went down at the first corner, only went road 13th. So, unfortunately with Barsha, after the last few years, he is still fifth in the points. But, again, this has been the trend with Barsha. He wins round one, but then he goes backwards. And so, this is the third, the fourth consecutive year where he is going backwards. So, I, I just... I don't know what to do with Barsha. This is probably going to be his last two years. Maybe take a year, couple of years in MXGP and spend a year with your wife chasing around the world. But I, I, I think people just, you know, he does have speed this year more than he did with the Yamaha. But I just think that his championship hopes for the Supercross are now over. It's basically going to be between Roxon and Tomac. And I think people are a little bit insane viewing Barsha even having a chance. Brock Tickle, another quiet 14th. I think people thought he would be a little bit a little bit higher on this list, but I think people forget how much time he had off. Davalos was a, started a little bit higher, had a couple first good laps, crashed, finished 15th. Justin Bogle, quiet 16th. Vince Friese had to go through the LCQ, 17th. I, you know he's just not gelling with his new bike. I I don't I don't know what they're gonna do, but he's gotta stop launching the bike into other riders. It's becoming unsafe. Uh, Brandon Hartraff finished 18th. Not much to say about him other than getting the Suzuki in. Uh, Benny Bloss finished 19th. Uh, at some point for him, he's gonna start moving up. 
Uh, he s signed uh, this deal, and the team thought he probably thought he'd be getting better results after Salt Lake. But after those Salt Lake results, it's kind of stagnated to around the 17, 18, 19 finishing positions. Uh, Kyle Chisholm had kind of the disappointing 20th. I don't know what happened there with him. Uh, Austin Poletti, good for him on getting in. And Adam Seven Deuce Deuce finished 22nd. Uh, good for him on getting in. I understand he finished in last place, but he got in running a great pace in the heat race. So that's wonderful for him. So when we look at the points, Ken Roxon's one, Cooper Webb's two with a six-point lead. Eli's only nine down, and then it's Censorello, Barsha, Ferrandis, Stewart, Braden, Muscan, and Osborne is 10th. So it's going to come down. Adam is a fringe championship, guys. I'm going to put it there. He's 16 down, but mostly it's between Roxon and Tomac. I think for, Webb's there only if... Tomac and Roxon either get hurt or it's going to be a mechanical. That's that's honestly the only way I can maybe see them having a chance. All right, the 250s. Some controversy in here as well, but uh, Colt Nichols took the victory. Yeah, he got the whole shot, and he just took it and won. He, he looked great. Uh, I think pretty much since he has an eight-point lead now, I think this championship is his. I, I don't think Christian Craig can battle back unless Colt goes down in the first corner, which is always possible. I think Christian is a better starter than Colt, but Colt has shown some extra speed. But uh, I, the one thing, if Jet were to get on a run, maybe, but I just don't think Jet is going to be consistent enough to beat Colt. I think Colt, this is the best I've seen, at least consistency, consistency that I've seen Colt run so far for the first three races. Usually Colt has crashed a lot. I don't think I've seen Colt crash at all this season at all. So he's pretty much, I think, as long as he can make it through the indie rounds, he probably will win this championship. And I don't believe there should be an asterisk at, at all because he, he won this fair and square. I wonder if he will come back to try to defend this championship in the following year. I, I don't see a need for him to move up to the 450s unless they want one of their 1,000 amateur riders. I'm referring to Star Yamaha, but we'll see. Uh, Michael Mosman was kind of gifted a second place here. Yeah, he... Uh, the, I'll get to why he was gifted to it for a second, but uh, the, the the one thing highlighted for Mosman, uh, he did have the interesting comment during the... Uh, well, he won his heat race because he took out Jet Lawrence, um, which it's fine. I, I don't care. You know, the previous race, Jet took him down pretty hard, but then during, this, during the uh, heat race, Michael... Took him. I mean, he didn't really take him out. He just took took out his line, and then Jet had nowhere to go. So, I Michael's pass was fine. But then Michael during the uh, podium interview said Jesus was savage, and I was just sitting there like, what in the hell was was this comment? So I was just a little, a little confused. But 
to each his own with, with those type of comments. It was just it was more amusing to me. But good for Mosman. Uh, Joe Samota got third. Way to go for him. Uh, he he he's got to be a little bit more positive. I think I, I think he was very disappointed in himself that he got a podium this way because I believe in himself he wanted to earn the podium on his own speed. But when you watch Joe ride, he, he's actually kind of he's a very flawless rider where he doesn't make mistakes. He has solid speed. It's just not at the level of a Jet or a Colt or a Christian right now. And he's building up to that. It's just it's a year by year by year. It's a very methodical approach. And it's increased every year. And I think Cowie and Mitch have to be happy. It's just I think it's a year or two away. And he'll get there. I think he should be on the team next season. And he's getting better. If I, I if Geico Honda was still around, he would be where he is today. But he got an upgrade. Uh, Pro Circuit Kawasaki is an upgrade. And, you know, good for him on getting a podium. He should have an opportunity to keep getting podiums. If he doesn't, that's okay. But as long as he is in the top four or five the rest of the season, he will be fine. Now we get to Jet Lawrence and Christian Craig. It looks like their bars kind of... I don't think Christian was intently trying to take out Jet. I think their bars got kind of mixed up. So I don't think Jet should be taking out Christian because Christian's never really been the type of rider to take guys out. So um, the one thing, though, that I can see is Jet has pretty much some bad tendencies to be a little bit of kind of a whiner slash wanting to get revenge on guys. I think that is going to show up more and more, and I think he's not going to be this ah sucks lovable writer that some people think he's going to like, like people want him to be. So I just it's going to come out more and more. I, I, I it's just one of those feeling things that I have, but we'll see on the future if this happens for Christian. At this point, he's got to win. If he wants to have any type of chance to win a championship, he's got to win the next two races. Uh, or at least get beat uh, Colt and at least get second. Uh, if uh, Jet wins, he's got to at least get second and second uh, in front of Colt both of the races. But mostly he's got to win because it's already eight points now. If he wins the next two, he could at least get it down to two before at least one Orlando will get into the break. He can't lose anymore, otherwise the championship is basically over. Uh, moving on, Mitchell Oldenburg had some had a good start in the main event. He went back to sixth. Uh, for Mitchell, he's just got to finish at least sixth in the points because that's probably where the muck-off on the team is looking for him to be because he is that talented at least for him, maybe a podium is possible if the condition, excuse me, if the conditions are right. Uh, the rest of the order: Thomas Doe, French rider, got seventh. John Short and Josh Osby are going to finish in the eighth and ninth position all the time. Uh, Grant Harlan got tenth. Joshua Varas got eleventh. Hunter Sales got tenth. Jeremy Hand got thirteenth. Devin Simonson got fourteenth. Kevin Moran's got 15th. 
Uh, Hunter Scholar got 16th. Uh, he now he had a. Uh, yeah, I think he, first of all that man saved my fantasy team at least get get 190 points. But uh, that LCQ was very rough to watch because I needed him to make it in, and then he, uh, thank God, he whole shotted the LCQ and made it in. Wilson Fleming still haven't gotten over how you didn't make the make it in. 17th Lane Shot, 18th Max Miller. Max Miller had a hell of a ride in the LCQ. He was down in the first corner and then rode his ass up to qualifying position, so I will give him props for that. Maxwell Sanford got 20th. Lorenzo Camparese got 21st. And Logan Carnell had some type of mechanical. He got 22nd. And then he was the other rider that decided to just completely destroy my fantasy team. So really didn't have much to say. Uh, yeah, my fantasy team did not do well. This, uh, yeah, that was a epic disaster. So that was the uh, Houston review. Um, there will be a race tomorrow. It will be interesting to see how that race develops. Uh, hopefully the track is track time still only, well, Indianapolis floor is a little bit small, so lap times were in the 47 second range, which is Houston three like, which is fine. They're still doing 27 laps. They probably could have cut that to 26, but Roxton I think beat the time frame by a couple seconds. So, eh, 20 at least 47 seconds. The last lap was 49. That's better than what they were doing. Houston one, Houston two. Hopefully, like I said, further down the line, the lap times will increase to over 50 seconds. That's that has to be the target goal the rest of the season. Uh, outside of Supercross, uh, there was a big football trade during the week. Matthew Stafford was traded to the St. Louis Rams. Sorry, St. Louis Rams. Sorry, the Los Angeles Rams. And Jared Goff and multiple first-round picks were traded to the Rams. Or sorry, traded to the Lions. Now, it's going to be interesting to see how both teams react to that i i don't for for the rams they are a little well first of all we have to wait and see what the salary cap is going to be it's going to be either the low end it's going to be 175 million or it's going to be 195 million so that's where it's going to be the Rams are going to be a little bit more cash-strapped because they have a lot of high-end talent that's in has has a lot of cap numbers in the $20 million range. Now, they're going to be stuck with a cap charge with Jared Goff because of the contract they gave him. I think that's only going to be for this season. Going forward, though, the Rams will continue not to have first-round draft picks. Will that hurt them in the future? That remains to be seen. It's going to be it, what is going to have to happen for them is they're going to have to hit on all their draft picks, and that is extremely hard to do. That is one of the things. Now, Peyton Manning, for example, when he was on the Colts, they had a lot of talent early on, but what happened to the Colts is they kept missing on their draft picks. That's why they ended up not being that good. So 
if a team kept hitting and hitting and hitting on their draft picks, they're being able to maintain on how good they are. Now, when Stafford enters in to them, they should be pretty good. They still have Robert Woods. They have Cooper Cooper Cup. So the offense should change. They don't have to be this type of momentum offense that runs with Jared Goff. They can be more of a standard offense. Can they trickle that stuff type, that type of offense, offense in? Yes, but they can be more. They can still do all the motions and all that, but they can still do more strength type of stuff that Stafford runs. I really hope that they are able to get Stafford under the gun. My one complaint for the Lions is they did not do a lot of running plays under under center because Stafford was on, in the shotgun all the time. Uh, for the Lions' perspective, it's full full rebuild mold. They get they get Jared Goff, but Jared Goff is not that good. You have to run a certain offense, and what we saw in Los Angeles was. If he's off, he's dreadfully off. And towards the latter half of the last couple of years, he was missed. The, he was basically off all the time. So I understand. I guess there's some front office tie between the Rams and the Lions, and with he and that usually means when you when you have a belief in a quarterback, that's a bad sign because when. I, I'm at the point of view that you can fully believe when the quarterback is not that good. You know when the quarterback is not that good. So they're they're going to struggle with that decision. But they do get a lot of draft capital. The Lions do have a lot of work to do on defense, and that's where they primarily struggled. Uh, they do have some wide receiver talent, but outside of that, their defense is in trouble. The North is going to be interesting next season. The Green Bay Packers are the best team, even though that's hard for me to say. Uh, I, I really do hate to say that. The Vikings will be better. You know, there's going to be an interesting. There's some interesting trades out there where uh, the San Francisco 49ers want Kirk Cousins. Is there validity to that? I don't know. But we'll, we'll see in the following weeks if that trade happens, if Jimmy Garoppolo comes to the Vikings. It'd be nice to see the Vikings making effort for Deshaun Jackson, because you know, but because we'll get extra draft picks for Kirk Cousins. But we'll see. But even if Kirk Cousins stays here, the Vikings will be better with uh, returning defensive stars and another year with uh, growing offensive talent. So, and the Bears will forever be a disaster because their defense is getting older and they have no quarterback. So. Either way, at least two of the four teams have some sort of direction. Either way, that was episode 11 of this podcast. What I have going on for the future, I will have a Super Bowl preview, and then I will review round two of the AMA Supercross, and then I will will pre I will try to watch the last four rounds of Snowcross. It's just busy work and getting around to watching that stuff i uh, tried watching the first episode of one division and i actually liked it i'm, I'm not going to come down on it like some people did it reminded me of bewitch i think that was the flavor that they were going for so thank you for everyone and see you later this week